sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome, great to have you with us on this Thursday, sponsored by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Almost Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with that Sunbury Motors guarantee. Your trade-in's never been worth more. A sales staff that will work with you to save money. And not only that, the service department is just phenomenal. You want one-stop shopping with a dealership, this is it. They do a great job with inspections, routine maintenance, anything complicated. Again, this is all one-stop shopping. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Fun show coming up today. Uh, On the show today, we'll have Chuck Barrett, the play-by-play voice of Arkansas football. Jack Ham, my broadcast partner for the last 22 seasons, going into our 23rd next year, will join us on the show. Also on the show today, Corey Geiger, DK Sports, going to talk to him in a few uh, minutes. I'll talk to Corey about, uh, you know, about the playoff possibilities. People are saying bowl games are meaningless now, and how do you bring more meaning to it? And James Franklin says he'd like to see us. If you're, like, if you're going to expand the playoff, go big. And I agree with him completely about that. You know, you might as well just go big. There's a lot of reasons to do it. Corey and I are going to go have a little back and forth about that coming up on the show as well. And Tony Knopp today on the business of sports. So we're looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun on today's show uh, to just delve into a wide variety. And for most of you, Chuck Barrett's going to be fascinating for many of you because I mean. I would doubt many of you know a lot about Arkansas football. Penn State's never played them before. They were not on the radar for Penn State all season until, I'd say, I'd say they probably got on my radar maybe about three weeks to go in the regular season. And that's when I, you know, but it wasn't like I hadn't watched them play because I saw them play the Texas game and they played great. Uh, I saw them play the Georgia game. They didn't play well. Now, since then, obviously, I've watched their Missouri game, I've watched their LSU game, and their Alabama game. So now I've seen five games of Arkansas football. So when I see them <laughs> on Saturday, it'll be the sixth game I've seen of Arkansas football this year. It'll be my 13th for Penn State. Just wanted to make sure you knew that. And, of course, that'll be a 10.30 airtime and a 12.05 kickoff of the Outback Bowl in Tampa. Bowl games are meaningless. Not to this guy. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Coming up, Corey Geiger, DK Sports, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, let's uh, get into a little fun back and forth here. Let's bring in Corey Geiger, DK Sports. I think it's time we talked a little bit about playoff expansion and some other issues when it comes to college football, because... Corey and I are not only big college football fans, we're huge college basketball fans. And let's see if we can merge the two here into this conversation. Corey, great to have you with us. Welcome. 
Hey, Steve, I'm doing great. Sorry for the delay. I got caught up into something I couldn't quite get out of, and I, I sincerely right. apologize, man. Well, we all have that. That happens to all of us along the way. So um, I want to talk about the playoff. I want to go in that direction because there's all this talk about expansion of playoff and so forth. So I would like to get you, what is your view on expanding the college football playoff? As you know, Is four right? Should they go back to two? Should they go to eight, 12, 16? What do you think? I was always against it because I love the regular season in college football. Steve, I've always cherished. It's the one regular season that matters. You can lose a bunch of games in all sports and still get in the playoffs. College football, you know, the regular season has mattered. But I will say this, uh, with, with other things in life, you, you start to see a little, some things different over time. I, I do think it, it will happen. I, I, don't, I don't have any doubt about that. I do think it will happen. And I, I think it probably should happen. I, I don't really want to see it to go 12, Steve, because even if three lost teams get in if you go to 12, I, I just think that will water down the regular season. I've always thought six would be a good number, but I, I think eight. I think it'll be a minimum of eight. But – Steve, it's probably going to go to 12 at some point. There's just too much money involved. There's too much momentum that way. But there are years where if you have 12 teams, man, you're going to have maybe even multiple three-loss teams in. And I, I, that, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. Uh, eight doesn't get you anywhere financially because ESPN already owns all the uh, New Year's Six Bowls. So, I mean, to get yeah. more money, they're going to have to go past eight. I mean, just for the simple – I mean, math tells you they can't go to eight. Yeah, that's a good – and look, the world revolves around money. And Penn yeah. State would have gotten in <laughs> Penn State would have gotten in at 12 and 16, 17, 18, 19. They would have gotten in all four years. And I know that's what everybody wants. How can my team get in? But, but again, and maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on this, is my whole life, I'm 48, Steve, you're a little bit younger than me. Uh, uh, you are so kind. Whole, man, you lose, a game, you lose a game in college holder in the regular season. And that was kind of it. And you lose two and forget about it. And, and look, that's what – I mean, that's what James Franklin talks about all the time now is there's so much pressure, and that's why some of these bowl games don't mean as much a lot because everybody's so focused on the playoff. So I, I get it. I understand where you know, where it's going. I'm not naive to the fact, but I just really hate the fact that you can – you know, it's going to be like the NFL. You can lose seven games in the NFL and get in the playoffs. So I you could be, be under five hundred like the Washington was last year and make the playoffs. Yes, yeah. uh, but it's, it's going to happen. But you, know, happen. You, but you know what's interesting about that? Let's talk about the regular season part for a moment. You mentioned losing one, like who? Now you're to the cut line. You lose two and you're out of it. All right, which is a very fair statement. How many teams in reality have relevant Novembers because of that scenario? When we talk about the relevancy of the regular season, sure. I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Devil's advocate question. It is. It's true, and I get and I understand. I'm trying not to do the James Franklin thing. Obviously, I get it. Get, yeah. I get it. Obviously, obviously, I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you do. Uh, I know you do. I, look, there, there's no question. And and in every sport, we want our teams to. We want to have something to cheer for and root for and pay for, honestly, yeah. and watch for at the end of the year. Um, but hey. You got to be, but you got to be good from from day one in college football. You got to be good from day one. Uh, and if you lose games, I, I think there should be 
some penalties, and the penalty meaning that you don't get to play for the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is some leagues play eight league, eight league games, some right. leagues play nine. That's a big thing for the Big Ten. These teams pound each other, and, they, and you know, it's, the attrition in the Big Ten is a factor. The SEC doesn't quite have it as bad with only eight. So, uh, but again, I, I we're we're talking about something that is, is inevitable here because mm-hmm. it sure. is it is going to happen. Well, it's interesting as you mentioned that because what turned Arkansas seasons around was that game they stuck in with Arkansas Pine Bluff. That turned their, that, I'm not joking. It turned their whole season around because they were losing, 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 and they walked out of there, felt better about themselves, and played better after that. Oh, man. I, I'm from Arkansas. There was a time, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Steve, they got caught playing like illegal players. Uh, I think oh. they might have gotten, gotten the death toll. They were playing guys that had already graduated. I mean, that's, this goes back like 30 years. If anybody knew the history, I mean, it's one of the worst. Yeah. One of the worst cheating things you've ever seen yeah. in college football, man. I know. But it's interesting. They threw that game in there, yeah. and they had been on a losing streak, and it seemed to get them back on track. I mean, so, I mean, I always give the SEC credit. They manipulate their schedules in such a way where they make you think there's a big game every week for everybody, and there isn't. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, they're beautiful in that way. Um, so, in this scenario, if they were to say go to, because James said, hey, if you're going to do it, just go big. Right? And, we're, and we're watching right now the FCS playoff, which started with 24. Now they're down to two. Um, and we are seeing, of course, opt-outs. To me, a 16-team playoff, as I've thought about it, would prevent fewer opt-outs. Because if you're in the playoff, you're not going to opt-out. Okay. Number, and now let's go to it from the academic point of view. You actually have to keep yourself eligible as well. There's like two, two components of this that actually may end up being in pluses for the fan, but also even a plus for the student athlete. I, I, I like it. I, I, cannot, I cannot challenge your statement with any tangible component it's about time it took me years it took me years to get that out of you (laughs) but i still hate it i know if you go go to 16 i know steve there will be a four loss team in there i I just boy the, the the regular season in college football has always meant something and if you go to 16 Oh my goodness! Again, there there will be a year where at least one, if not multiple, four mm-hmm. losses, sure. and, and you but, and you are going to say but, that your games in, in September mean that crap, really. I mean, I know the college basketball regular season. You know, now look, I broadcast for a team where the regular season's relevant every year because you're trying, you know, because yeah, you, know, you know the path, what the pathway is for Duke. It's about seeding for Penn State. It's about okay. a fight, fight to get there. So you and okay. I love the NCAA basketball tournament. We love it. Uh huh. Right. And and some people say it only reduces the college basketball to a three week season. Right. Fair statement that people say yes. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You and I love the tournament. Because a UMBC can beat a Virginia. So what is the difference between the two, in your opinion? What makes the different, what, what makes the philosophy different on each? I love it, and you could not – I wish we had an hour. Because I'm wearing right now a Syracuse long sleeve T-shirt. <laughs> I've, got, I've got about seven of them. Syracuse is the 68th or 69th team 
every single year. Syracuse yeah. epitomizes the bubble. So when you talk about the regular season matters, Syracuse is literally one of the last two or three teams in or out Absolutely. every year. Yep. Syracuse, because of who it is and the zone, can get in the tournament and beat anybody. Right. Anybody. Even, even as the 68th team in, Syracuse is on a different playing field than every other bubble team. They got to you know they got to the Sweet 16 last year. That they can get in and they can beat these people because they have something in the tournament that most people don't see, and That's that right. is their two-three zone. They beat right. Michigan State a couple years ago. Izzo had that great team with Bridges. They they've knocked off a lot of people over the years just even the tournament that they didn't have any business doing. I don't think I don't think anyway that we will see that in football. Just because you expand the playoff doesn't mean, in my opinion, because football or basketball, if you got a gimmick like a zone, if you got one or two guys get hot like Buddy Bayheim did last year, you can beat some people. Mm-hmm. In football, you can add all these damn teams you want. They're still going to lose. They're all going to lose. I don't think we're going to see uh, 13, 14, 15, 16 seeds winning games against top four and five seeds. Now it is football. Anything can happen. Who knows what the injury situation would be. Mm-hmm. But at least in my opinion, Steve, I don't know right. that you would see the kind of chaos in a football playoff like you do at a basketball tournament. What I always say about Syracuse is this. You need to get them in the first round because you've had days to prepare yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. The problem yep. is in the second round, the team that's going to prepare for them has one day. Yeah. And you can't get ready for that zone in one day. You and I've seen it my whole life. They'll, yep. they'll knock these people yep. off. You know, Arizona State with James Harden, they made him look bad. They've made a lot of people look mm-hmm. bad. Yep. But and look, maybe maybe I'm wrong about the football thing because you do have upsets in football, clearly. I just don't – I think at that point in the season, the, the six or eight teams have separated themselves in football, and they'll be beating these you know lower-seeded teams year in and year. So just getting into the playoffs – I know everybody will pound their chest and say, "We got in, we got in, we got." Well, have you ever won a game? Have you, have you ever, you know, right. have you won any games well, in the playoffs? That's the that's the Oklahoma problem. Oklahoma's yeah, sure. been able to get to the college football playoff. They've never won, not once. I think in 2016, Penn State would have gotten in. They would have been like a five or six seed. Okay, right. So 2016, Penn State gets in. They, they, hell, they could have won the whole thing, Steve. You know, depending on how some things right. go, they would have had a home but, game. They would have had a home game to start out. But I don't necessarily think 2019 as a, as an 11 or 12 seed, mm-hmm. they even win a game. Right. So I guess that would right. still put a lot of emphasis on how good your regular get that strong seed. Yep. Uh, you know, because I, again, I just don't know that there are going to be many five, six, seven seeds that are going to lose those games. Interesting, because I mean, I think Nick's had what two undefeated teams uh, at Alabama of his championships. The other ones have been have had at yeah. least a loss. So it's not like he's not been unscathed along the way. It rarely happens, but it's not like hey, they lose to Auburn. Yeah, they lose to Auburn. Yeah. They're done this year. Yeah, so that was a fun conversation. I know, and I, I appreciate the on a busy day that you gave us some time very much. Steve, let's do that basketball tournament comparison one day. Yeah, I love, I absolutely love that discussion. Steve. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I think it's a fun discussion because there's something. Everybody's filling out brackets. It's magical. A lot of people just really love it. You know, but it's it's interesting to compare the two as to why one is and isn't, and there actually are some reasons on both sides for it. That's what yeah, makes it I fun. Agree. 
I agree with that. Hey. Thank you, buddy. Merry Christmas Merry, to you Merry family. Christmas to you and your great family, all right? Thank you, Steve. That's Corey Geiger, DK Sports in Pittsburgh. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Tony Knopp will join us next, and Chuck Barrett in the third half hour, Jack Ham, final half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, can't ask for better new inventory. Great pre owned inventory with the all important Sunbury Motors guarantee. They've gone over all those vehicles. Sales staff that works with you, your trade-in has never been worth more. And not only that, a service department that is fabulous. Inspections, they're great. Routine maintenance, great. Difficult, great. I mean, really, Sunbury Motors is one-stop shopping. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15. Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Find out why they have so many repeat customers. Over and over and over again. You find a winner, you stick with a winner. Sunbury Motors. All right, let's uh, get to... I, I always love doing this like right at the end of the year. And I bring in Tony Knopp to do this because the suit hates the business of sports. So I'm going to torture him for the next half hour with Tony Knopp, sir. Welcome. It's always a pleasure. It's always too long since we talk. How are you? Good to talk to you again. It's great to talk with you, Tony. Great. A lot to cover here. A lot. The world went crazy. Yeah, it's only been six weeks, and college football is drunk, and the ILC is doing crazy things, and tennis stars are disappearing. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. So let's get. Uh, let's start with the quote China issue. Uh, in the United States, there'll be no diplomatic presence. I'm like, you know, I, something tells me China's like something. They go, oh my God, really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> what do we do now? Uh, but. There have been some people that have talked boycott. Nobody's going to boycott. What is the economic impact for China, and and have any companies backed away because it is China? So I will answer the question with a business hat on and not with my moral and ethical hat on. Yes, that's exactly what I am saying is what is going to happen and how they are considering it, not how I would consider it. So that's my my form of qualification. Yes. Um, This, much like you're never going to hear LeBron James say free Hong Kong because he has too much economic interest in it, you're never going to hear NBC or the sponsors pull away from the China Olympic Games simply because you've got Paris, you've got Los Angeles, you've got Milan, you've got massive games upcoming that are economic just booms, and ILC knows it, probably why they explained it that way and picked the cities and countries that they did. So despite the fact that I think everybody, you know, with a with a cold mic that wouldn't be tracked would say that they would like to do things differently and, you know, possibly put some pain on China, they do know that if they do that, the IOC has shown that they are um, 
incredibly they, that they operate like the mob. And if you do something like that to them and to the host city that they chose, there's going to be consequence for it in the future. So as much as we'd like there to be this movement about human rights catastrophes that are happening and to see brands you know, just pull away completely, they're just going to try to quietly distance themselves in the hopes that they can capitalize on the three big games that are coming. All right, so uh, let's start with something I think people don't realize. You and I both know this. Beijing, by a 44-40 to vote, beat out the only other bidder, and that was Kazakhstan. Uh, This was not a games that was heavily bid on. Everyone thought Oslo would get it, and they backed out. Uh, Is this... Since then, it's been, okay, Paris, L.A., they're going to split. They got Milan, right? So they've got the next three, and we already know where 32 is going. It's going to Brisbane. It seems like the IOC has been very careful about selection and not bidding between now and 32. Is that fair? Yes, because I think there's a couple of things that have gone along with this, and I think we're seeing thought make a realization of this as well. You know, they always say never make a decision when you're in an extreme state, right? Never make a decision when everything's going so well, and never make a decision when things are going terribly wrong. Um, when, you know, FIFA and the NFC were flying high on the hog for a while there, uh, they saw that this was an opportunity for them to maybe cash in and go to some more develop, developing countries that were that were cash-rich, that were willing to pay for this. So you have a World Cup that's in Qatar. You have an Olympic Games that's in, that was in South Korea and Pyeongchang. And then you have one that's back in Beijing, even though we were just in Beijing in 2008. Um, I think they realized, you know, in that time span, as people started to fall off, as Boston pulled out of their bid because the city got sued, as Chicago, you know, their bid didn't really show the way they were hoping it to, that maybe it's time for them to start going back to some of the glamour ones and, and paint the games with a little bit better picture. Um, what, what a lot of people don't realize is this, this is not new. This is kind of the way the games were going before the 1984 L.A. games right. changed the way the economics worked. And they started selling a bunch of sponsorships, and they showed that, hey, this could be an economic boom for the region. And I think they're getting back to that playbook right now. And that's why there's rumors about Salt Lake City coming back in and, and cities that, you know, just two, three, four years ago would have said that we're not interested. All right, so let's shift from that, may return to it here, and let's get to the college football playoff. They're going to delay whatever they're doing till January, and it sounds like January is the last time they feel they can do something and have it be viable for 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now the Alliance... Which uh, you know I'm not exactly in there. I, I, I don't get why the big why is the Big Ten doing? It? I'm sitting there like going, who sat down and said, "Hey, this is a great idea." No, it's not a great idea. Uh, but they're saying you would be content with eight. You and I both know, Tony. If you go to eight, ESPN already owns all the New Year's Six bowl games with contra- contracts, so they're going to get no more money out of it. You got to go to twelve to get more money. Is it? Is that really the simple answer right there? Yeah, I think. You know, again, I'm going to answer with what the business. Yeah, I, I, I totally got it. So what I agree with, right? Yeah, so right. Like you and I would both agree that you know, hey, it makes more sense to have 12 or even go to what the subdivision has done, where they have a playoff that's economically viable, that grounds a national champion, that has you know conference champions go in, and it's very simple. You know, if we were starting from scratch, this is what we do. But we're not starting from scratch. We have a lot of economic debt, so to speak, that's tied to this system. And when you're talking about moving to eight, now you're talking about taking bowl games that have 
a lot of economic interests tied to them. They have, you know, financial obligations that are tied to local banks, local sponsors, local teams, all those things, and they're paid in by ESPN, and you're changing their value on a year-to-year basis. And that's how businesses are financed. If you're going to now go back and say, you know, if I was the Rose Bowl and I could say every year I have a big opportunity for a marquee game for Ohio State to play USC or for Penn State to play Washington, and now I'm telling you that my game is going to be a little undervalued every other year or every three years, that changes everything for them economically. That's built over time. So it's just not that easy to come in and say, this is the way we should do it, so let's go do it, because you have people who've created their entire business around it and they're living. And so you're right. What they're trying to do now, because you hear them talk about it, you hear Mike Bowen talk about it, you hear Swarovic talk about it, and they say, look, we, we wanted to leak this to the public in advance so that we can kind of get ahead of the PR as we start to make that decision. I think what they're trying to understand is, you know, there's a goal that they have in place, and in order for them to get to that goal, they've got to walk through a lot of really just ugly public relations. It's going to come out as to why it took a while to do this. And I don't know if they have a stomach for it. You know, like the, the best analogy I would draw is, you know, I was talking to some guys who are involved in the Crypto.com Arena deal with Staples Center, and their, right. their SVP of marketing said something really interesting. He said, we don't care what you call it. That's not the point of this deal. Right? If you don't call it Crypto.com Arena for the next four years, we don't care. We have a longer vision in this. And that's how they're looking at this. They're saying, look, we know this is going to be stinky for a few years, but we have to un- we have to grease the right palms. It's not that much different than, unfortunately, the conversation we just had about the IOC in China. Right. Right. Like, we, we want to get to this 12-game playoff, but we're going to have to pay off some bulls and, and some people that maybe aren't the most upstanding along the way for them to walk away from, you know, business that they've been relying on for a number of years. Well, what's interesting about this is that it's the it, you can do that with the home games in the opening round, then incorporate the bulls. I think that that there's an appeasement level there uh, now. But there's one. Let's get to the part, and you're very close to this. You know personally how I feel about the Rose Bowl. I don't like the Rose Bowl. I love the Rose Bowl. <laughs> okay, simple. I mean, I don't just like it. I love it. Uh, and and all you have to do is go there once. You've been many times. I've been there three times. And you look around and go, you know what? This is what I grew up on. Yet, yet, yet in this, uh, the Rose Bowl is an issue in the playoff as to how they fit in this. Is there any talk as to how it works and how the Rose Bowl continues to work in the structure of a 12-team playoff? I think they know the chip that they hold, right? Yes. Um, and I think there's a belief in, in talking to the people that I know who are involved in these processes. There's a belief that, well, maybe the younger generation doesn't have as much of an affinity to the Rose Bowl as like I do or like you do, right? And it's turning out that's not the case. They actually do have an affinity to this, to the Rose Bowl parade, to the idea behind this. And that's what we're talking about. It's it's really similar to trying to balance the interests of where you're going to put the Olympic Games when you know that, you know, Paris is going to be a monster, but you can't have it in Paris every time because everybody has their hand out and they want it somewhere else. Right. So then you end up having one in Sochi, right? Yeah. And eventually Paris says, well, look, you know, we can just run our own events. And we're going to do just fine by ourselves. And that's, that's the shit that the Rose Bowl is playing here. Yep. And they're playing it very well. They're saying, look, we're the granddaddy of them all. We know economically where we are on this. There's also a lot of community involvement in the Rose Bowl and money that goes into the community that's tied to it. 
So it's a really, you, you do a really great job of kind of laying it out for the listeners. That yes, you know, even though when you sit down, you say a 16 team playoff makes all the sense in the world, it does, but we're not starting from zero. Right? We have all of these things in place. And yes. Now you have people who have, you know, they have more tradition, they have more money, they have more, and they, and they have the ability to say, we'll do this ourselves and really, really damage what you're trying to build. Right. And look, when they talk about the first home game being, you know, uh, at the school, now you have the conferences arguing over, well, does the school get all the money or do we? Right. Exactly. Right? Well, you wouldn't have that right. home game unless you played in one of our conference. So now, hey, USC, you're hosting the game. I mean, it comes down to, you know, the, the downfall of the Pac-12 and, their, and the buildup of the Big Ten. Yeah. Well, it's because back in the early 10s and in, in the mid-2000s, you know, the Big Ten understood what you were talking about. They said, look, we have premium teams. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. We, we know that there has to be an unfair balance of revenue share, money, et cetera, and priority that goes to those because when they succeed, the entire conference rises with them. The SEC did the same thing, right? The, the Pac-10 didn't. The Pac-10 had Washington State and Oregon State coming in throwing a big fit, saying, no, we, we can't give priority to the L.A. schools. Right. And that's, we talk a lot here about the English Premier League. That's how they do it there. When you play in the English Premier League, you don't get the same amount of money for being, you know, the bottom of the table team that you do from the top. And it's not really based on how you finish. based yeah. on who you are as a club. Right. right. Arsenal, Chelsea, City, they get more money than, you know, Burnley and Crystal Palace and Leeds do. Well, this is the Rose Bowl to give everybody a little perspective. They are the masters the year they looked at advertisers and said, you know what? We don't want to put you guys in peril for a year, so we'll just go it alone for a year, and they did it. Mm-hmm. Not many, not many entities can do that. The Rose Bowl and the uh, and the Masters can. Augusta, and Augusta National can. Yep. Right, and that's that's why when people get so frustrated by this, and they're more frustrated. I was actually hoping that there'd be a little bit different play out in the Big Ten, so you and I could be on the same side of the argument for a change. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the Pac-12 gets left out every year. Right, so there's this argument that, like, hey, you know, you need more teams for the Pac-12 game. And I was kind of hoping that with the Big Ten being as strong as it was this year, there was going to be the argument that two teams did it. Right. Um, and then a couple teams lost at the end, and that didn't play out that way. But you talk to anybody, and they see that argument, and they believe that it should be so simple. And then you start to lay out, like, well, you know, not much different than how the mafia approaches in the neighborhood, right? You have a couple of stores you got to get out of the way, and they're making good money. Why would they want to join your alliance? Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. So now let's uh, shift gears now to they're not being hurt at all by being locked out, but because they aren't playing any games. What yep. kind does Major League Baseball understand the dangerous game they're playing right now with the fans? That they are they. Naive enough to think that they're so wildly popular that they can get away with missing some games, parts of games, parts of a season. I mean, are they that delusional? I'm in trouble here. Um, yes, not all of them, but those in power, yes. Um, baseball has a belief, and you know they had a former head of MLB in there, Bob Bowman, who's since been uh, removed. I'm um, so dishonorably discharged. So to speak. <laughs> he, used to, he used to regularly give a speech that, you know, in 1950, the top three sports were boxing, horse racing, and baseball. And baseball is the only one left. 
And we always thought that that was an interesting way of framing this because you're not yep. really paying attention. You're saying, look, we have this massive growth and everything's going well, but you're not looking at your neighbors who are the NFL and the NBA and, and looking at their growth. You're, you're not pacing with their growth. So there's still this old guard in baseball between owners and some of the people that are uh, in the commissioner's office who do believe that, you know, that they have the ability to withstand this the way the Masters of the Rose Bowl do. And often they'll point to participation numbers for kids and that sort of thing, but they, they just kind of gloss over the, the ratings numbers. They say, oh, the ratings are good, and, you know, attendance isn't that bad, but when you compare it to the people on their block, it is. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the argument. I think the biggest problem that baseball has right now, and they've been talking about it, is just this understanding that if the game changed completely. They're mo- way more reliant on younger players, and the younger players don't make that much money. And so they're trying right. to... The players want to bring this into the kind of agreement that a revenue-sharing agreement like the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL have. And baseball is not interested in doing that. So much like you know, the bowl games, it knows despite the face, but they know once they go there, they're never coming back. Right? Once you go to revenue-share, you can't go back. To yeah, that's right. Way it is now. And, and where the baseball, where the, the listeners may not understand, that baseball was more predicated on the RSNs than anybody. Yep. So RSNs are the regional sports networks where the team sometimes owned them or they partnered with them, and they collected all of the money. There was no national revenue share on the money for these regional sports networks. The regional sports networks are doing terribly now. They're in carriage wars with all of the different providers. You know, there's a lot of um, cities where it's even blacked out, where for here we couldn't watch Dodger games for two years unless you were Time Warner only. Exactly. Uh, and the Dodgers were playing in the World Series those years. And so the owners are looking at this, and the world is changing around them, and they don't like it. And so you ask, like, are they naive enough to believe this is the case? Yeah, they are. Yeah. And just like anybody would look at the college football playoff and say, 16 makes sense. Just like anybody would look at the World Cup and say, you shouldn't play it in Qatar. Just like anybody right. would look at the exactly. and say, probably shouldn't go to Beijing, right? No. Nope. You just have all of these things that push them on the business side into making four decisions, which are generally based on greed and money. I'm shocked that you would say that. Um, I, just, I can't believe you'd actually come to that conclusion. All right, I do have to. Clo- I do have to close out with this. I'm looking forward to a fun day when it's James Franklin on one sideline and Lincoln Riley on the other. Because I got it. I got it. How happy were you as a USC guy that suddenly they said, you know what, Mike Bone is going to get Lincoln Riley to be the head football coach at your school. Saw that coming. I, I certainly didn't. I wanted Franklin, to be honest, because I, I just liked him as a person, too. Oh, he's uh, phenomenal. You guys locked him up with that long term deal. I think his buyout's like $50 million now. Yeah. So he's not, yeah. he's not going anywhere. Right. Um, the one I'm really excited about, and I think what's gotten a little bit glossed over as college football's gotten drunk, is uh, Lincoln Riley's Trojans are opening the season against Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers in 2024 in Vegas. Oh. Each team will have two years to rebuild. That's gonna, it's going to be fun to actually matter. This season's so bad for so long. Right. It'll be nice if they actually matter again. Well, they're going to matter. No doubt. All right. So let's rectify a major mistake, and let's not take this long between conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, anytime. I love coming to talk to you guys. Yeah. Tony, thanks so much. Happy holidays to you and that beautiful family of yours. My goodness, getting bigger. My. <laughs> it's so fast. So fast. Ay, 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 ay. Tony, thanks so much. Happy holidays, my friend. You too, you and yours. We'll talk soon. Tony Knopp, the great one, joining us from the coast, from Los Angeles. 
All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, best in pre-owned inventory with that Sunbury Motors guarantee. And your trade-in's never been worth more and a service department that takes care of inspections brilliantly, routine maintenance brilliantly, anything difficult brilliantly, it's one-stop Shopping. There's no getting around it. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, almost warping online at sunburymotors.com. All right. How many of you knew anything about Arkansas football before they were announced in the Outback Bowl? You got off to a great start. You probably knew that. You knew they slumped in the middle and probably lost track of them after that. Well, Chuck Barrett is the longtime outstanding play-by-play voice of Arkansas football and basketball. He joins us next on News Radio 1070 WKOK.